0: 11, Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11, and we're going to start in verse one in a moment. Everybody good today? Responsive? I realize what time it is. 11.22. I don't know if I've ever preached a message that short, not on purpose, maybe on accident I preached it that short. So uh, my voice is still recovering from camp, so that means you're going to have to be extra loud. Is that okay? You're going to have to be responsive. So Hebrews 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for in the evidence of things not seen. Notice that. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for in the evidence of things not seen. Now let's look over at 1 John. 1 John 5. We're starting verse 14. 1 John 5 and verse 14. Is it chilly in here? Is that just me? Y'all been having church. I've been in the back. So when I came in, I was like, okay. Somebody turned the refrigerator on in the sanctuary. But I realized as I preach, it'll get warmer in here. So 1 John 5, and we're going to start in verse 14. That's right. All right. Now, this is the confidence... Can I share a funny story about Emily for a second? No, this is not a bad story. This is a good story. Okay, from camp, I realize your lunch plans have been destroyed by now. So just forget about it. You're going to eat when you're going to eat today. Um, Right? All right. So when we explain the team competitions, you know, Justin doesn't make these team competitions easy on purpose. And so when we explain them, usually everybody's looking like, I don't get it. All 200 of them are like, I don't get it. And Justin is trying to explain this as simply as possible. So he explains time after time again. And, of course, we give, this year we gave the leaders the instructions ahead of time so they would even know to explain to their own team so they don't come, come bug Justin about the rules, which they still do. His wife does the most. And a couple laughs. All right. Anyways, if you're at the team competitions, sometimes Janet gives Justin the hardest time out of other people <laughs> about the rules. Okay. So, Justin explained the tennis ball game instructions the best he could. And it was literally crickets, quiet. And there was one person, and Emily said, "K." <laughs> out of everybody. It was like, there was 201 people here. Nobody can say anything. Everybody looks like, I don't get it. And then you just hear Emily say, Okay, <laughs> and so thank you, Emily, for being the one person who helped Justin out and responded to him. So, all right, so First John 5 and verse 14, it says, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. In verse 15, and we know that if he hears us, whatever we ask, We know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. But notice in verse 14, it says that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. So we're going to talk about faith today, if that's all right. And today we're going to talk about faith in our inheritance. Faith in our inheritance. Faith in our inheritance. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to be continuing talking about faith this morning. So faith in our inheritance. Faith in our inheritance. What has God left us and provided for us? We have to have faith in our inheritance. So we're going to talk about that today. And as we get into this, uh, we need to understand something. When we're talking about faith, and we've been talking about faith for months, um, we need to understand this, how can you be confident when you pray that God hears what you have to say? How can you be confident that when you're asking God to do something for you, that he's really going to do it? Well, that's the biggest question because a lot of us, we've been talking about faith and you know, you need to believe God, you need to believe God, but believe God on the basis of what? Believe God on the basis of what? Uh, Because you won't have any confidence or any real faith if you don't have anything to base it on. And we can't just, when it comes to faith, we don't just think up stuff. We don't just imagine stuff and say, well, you know what, God, I believe you're going to do this. I'm going to believe you're going to do that and just make it up. We can't do that because you can't really have confidence in that. So how do we know that we can be confident and be in faith about what we ask for? Well, this is what we're going to talk about today. Faith in our inheritance. So we need to understand this, and this would be a good note-taking message, just by the way. Um, This would be a good time to take notes, but we need to understand this. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith begins where the will of God is known. If you don't know it's God's will to do something for you, you can't have faith or confidence in him that he'll do it. So faith begins where the will of God is known. And we, we talked about this before, but why do we preach about healing at this church? So you will know that it is God's will to heal you. So when something happens in your life, you can have faith that God will actually do it. So many people don't get healed because they don't really know that it's God's absolutely perfect will that they can be healed. So they can't have faith because faith begins, notice, where the will of God is known faith begins in your life, in my life, where the will of God is known. So we have to know the will of God. Now here's something else, because a lot of even Christian people will say this, well, you can't know the will of God. Or God's ways are mysterious. God's ways are unknown. You can't figure out God. You can't understand God. God's ways are are so much higher than your ways. You can't ever know what God's will is or what God wants to do. God's ways are mysterious. Now, where's the scripture for that? I I didn't see it anywhere. That's religious people that talk like that. No, you can know God's will for your life, and you can know what God's will is for every part of your life. And I'm going to tell you how. You want to know how? Okay. So faith begins where the will of God is known. And it's as easy as this. God's Word is His will. God's Word is His will. How do you know the will of God? You need to know the Word of God. And if you don't know the Word of God on a subject, you will never know the will of God on a subject. That's why it's so important we get into our Bibles because that's where the will of God is found out. We only know His will if we know His Word. So how can we have faith? Because... Faith begins where the will of God is known, and we know his will because we know his word. He's still here. Now, my Bible was falling apart before camp, but look what happened when I picked it up after camp. Isn't that fun? All right. So we're trying to keep it together here because this is my favorite Bible. We're trying to keep it together here. So we know that we can trust His word, because his word reveals his will. Now, let's read in 1 John 5 and verse 14. It says, now this is the confidence that we have in him. Notice that if we ask anything according to his will. According to his will. When we ask God something according to his will, what's his will? His word. So you got to have a scripture for it if you're believing God for it. You need to have somewhere in the Bible that says this is what belongs to you. So we can have confidence. How can we have confidence? Because we know his will. We're not just guessing. We're not just hoping. We're not just hoping that something will just happen. And we just pulled this idea out of nowhere. No, we can be confident because we know his will, because we know his word. And so when we ask, we know he hears us. And we know that if he hears us. We can have it. And so notice we can be confident when we pray because if we ask anything according to his will or we could say his word, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. So that's where we have confidence and faith in God. If we don't understand this part, then when you just believe God will do something and you don't have any biblical proof of it, it's probably not going to happen because you don't have any confidence from God's word. But notice when we know his will, because we know his word, we can be assured that God will do it because it lines up with his will. Are you still here this morning? So we know that God's will is his word. We have to know the word of God to know the will of God. And and God's word has hundreds, even thousands of promises that belong to you and me that are from God. They are inheritance that he's given us. And those all belong to us. But notice we don't know those things unless we get into the word of God. Because the word of God tells us the will of God. Now, When we read the Bible, you need to understand this about your Bible, that the Bible is not just stories about God or just stories about people who God used. It is and it isn't. Because it is the story of God, the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. It is stories about people that were used by God. But even beyond that, the Bible is a legal document. Come on, we're going somewhere. I know, it's not really exciting. Legal document, yes, IRS. That's what I wanted to hear this morning on a Sunday morning. No, it's a legal document. Flow with me here. So, the Bible is not just stories that you teach your children in preschool. It's not just stories about God. It's not just stories to make you feel better. It is a legal document that reveals God's will. Now, your Bible says Old Testament and New Testament. Old Testament and New Testament. Now, the word testament comes from will and testament. When someone passes away, they leave the will and testament to you. That means your will and testament tells everybody else what belongs to them after you go on. Y'all don't want to say nothing. I know you had a lot of preaching so far today. Your will and testament reveals what you're leaving to everybody in your family after you go on. And it's it's not an accident that the Bible is split up into the Old Testament and the New Testament because it's a legal term. It's not just stories. It's a legal document. And the Old Testament and the New Testament is telling us what God has left us in our inheritance. He has told us His will in everything that belongs to us now in Christ. So it's not just something that is... A story, it is a foundation that we base our prayers on because it's legally ours in the eyes of heaven. So we can have confidence. So we know that your will and testament is given. It's a legal document saying whatever you have, it belongs to your family or to your friends or to whoever. And the Bible is a legal document revealing God's will and testament. On what belongs to us. Now we know this. That your will and testament doesn't come into place. After somebody passes away. The thing is that all the promises of God. Aren't yes and amen. Till Jesus dies on the cross. And raises again. But because Jesus died and rose again. That means all the promises. And all the will and testament. Is for us today. And all the inheritance that was waiting on us. Legally. Belongs to us now. Because that's God's will. And it is a legal document according to God himself. That's what belongs to us. Now, do we have that scripture? Hebrews 11, verse 1 in the Amplified. Let me read this to you for a second. Good job, Brother Sean. Come on, let's give it up for Brother Sean. Good job, Brother Sean. All right. So, this is the Amplified Bible. I'm reading it from the Amplified because some of you don't have it and it will be easier to see it. So, it says, now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, notice, the title deed. That's a legal document. Of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see in the conviction of the reality. Faith perceiving as real fact and what is not revealed to the senses. Notice, faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed, or we could say it is a will and testament of God himself of what already belongs to us. So it's the title deed. Now, what is the title deed? The title deed is what you get before you get it. It is the piece of paper that somebody hands you ahead of time saying this belongs to you, but you don't have it yet at your house. You don't have it yet. But it belongs to you. That's what this book is right here. It is the title deed. It is a legal document in the eyes of heaven. It is God's himself will and testament of what already belongs to you. And notice we just got to get in it. And we can have faith and confidence. Why? Because it already belongs to us. We have the paper right here. So that's if the enemy tries to talk to you about it. You can say, no, no, actually, it's not because I have the title deed right here. You want to read it? I mean, you can read it. It belongs to me right here. In the same way, when a relative passes away, especially if they had a lot of money, you will fight for that money. Don't act like you're holy in here because you're not. You will fight for that money, especially if you have the title deed. If they had a Bentley or a Mercedes Benz, you would take that title deed and say, "Uh uh-uh, no, it belongs to me. Uh Cousin Louie is not getting the Bentley. I am. (laughs) Why? Because you have a legal document, and you know what? they got to give it to you because it already belongs to you. Are you picking up what I'm laying down so far this morning? And so notice they use that term in the Amplified. It is the title deed, or we could say the will and testament of God. It is legal in the eyes of heaven that it belongs to you. Notice, that's why we can be confident. That's why we can be in faith. It's not like we're, we're guessing, we're wishing, we're hoping. Most Christians think faith is that. Well, I just hope everything turns out okay. That's not faith. Oh, I'm just believing No, it's confident because you have the actual document right here that says it already belongs to me. So you're not praying, wishing, and hoping. You're praying knowing because it belongs to you. And if anybody doubts you, you can say, hey, look, right here. And you know what? The enemy has to acknowledge it. And God himself acknowledges it. And he doesn't get offended about it. He gave it to you in the first place. So when we go to pray, we can say, God, you said and your word, that healing belongs to me. So I receive my healing. That doesn't offend God. That makes God happy because you're taking the inheritance that belongs to you. You know I I start preaching when I get a little... That's my African-American coming out of me. All right. So, anyways. That's my Black Baptist Church coming out a little bit. So we can be confident... When we pray because we have the legal document. It's right here. This is God's will and testament of everything that belongs to us. And notice, it's all ours now because Jesus died and rose again. That's why it says in the New Testament, all the promises of God are yes and amen. Not maybe. Not hopefully it works out. Let's just rub our hands together. No. It's yes and amen. Why? Because it's legally ours in the sight of heaven. I know we don't like to talk about this at church, but you got to realize the Bible's not just stories; it is a legal document of heaven that says what belongs to us. And notice that's how why we can have faith, and that's why we can be confident. Notice when we pray according to His will, that He hears us, and we know that if He hears us. We have it. Not maybe. He, we have it. Why? Because the Bible says we have it. And we know his will because we know his word. So it's the title deep. So let's say this. Today, I'm not passing away today. Okay? Praise God. All right, you guys can say amen to that. I'm not passing away today. I'm like, I don't care. Whatever. We'll get a new pastor anyways. All right. I realize it's 1140. You guys are, come on. You got this. You got this. You got this. You said you're hungry. She said she's hungry. Okay. Oh, okay. Wrap it up. You got to eat. Okay. Spiritually hungry. All right. Listen, I got to un- undo my tie a little bit. All right. So, if if I passed away and I wrote a will, I haven't ri- written a will yet. Um. And if I wrote the will that Brother Les gets my truck, um, of course, technically I don't own my truck, so actually Ford gets my truck. <laughs> um, so you and Ford can figure that out. Um, you know, and I just said, um gets all my clothes. um, Amesie gets my fishing pole. And they gave you a legal document You could get excited about it right now before you ever see it. Now, why? Because you trust me. So you could get excited about it and be confident that you're getting it even before you see it. Why? Because you have the title deed. And they know that if Brother Les takes the title down there, that they will give it to him because it already belongs to him even though he hasn't seen it yet. Charles knows if, why would you go to my closet anyways? If he brings the paper to my closet, I request all his clothes and shoes. I know you probably make a museum out of it or something special, because he honors me. Um, but notice, all those things belong to him, even though he hasn't seen it in person yet. And he's already excited about it. You know, Amsey, because he likes fishing, he'd be excited about it. He doesn't have my fishing poles yet in his hand. But if he has the title deed, he knows he already has it. That's the same thing as the word of God. Did you know that? It's that simple. It's the same thing, the Bible that's sitting on your lap. It says what belongs to you. And even though you can't feel it yet, it's already yours. Even though you don't see it yet, it's already yours. Even though you haven't cashed it in yet, it's already yours. Why? Because in the eyes of heaven, it legally belongs to you. And it's your inheritance. Why? Because God left it for you. All the promises of God. There's thousands in the Bible. All of it is your inheritance and it belongs to you. Why? Because you have the title deed. And the title deed says what belongs to you. That's why we can have faith. You know, if it's not in the Bible, we can't have faith for it. We can't just make up stuff and say, well, I'm in faith about it. Yeah, but where's the scripture that pertains to that? But notice, we can have faith because the title deed says it belongs to you. Are you guys getting something so far this morning? So let's put that scripture back up one more time. Come on, Ms. Bach, you're doing a great job. So, it says that it is the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see, and the conviction of the reality, faith perceiving as, notice, real fact, And what is not revealed to the senses. Faith perceived as real fact. And what is not revealed to the senses. So we're going to talk about that for the rest of the service. Faith revealed as real fact. Real fact. That in the eyes of you that it is real. And you do believe it. It's not some fairy tale, it's not some, something you just dreamed up, but it's real to you. Because when it's real to you, then it will work. And don't let anybody else talk you out of it. But notice it says that faith perceived as real fact and what is not revealed to the senses. Now this is the real fight of faith. This is the real fight of faith. You guys still here? we're going to talk about this for a moment we want to talk about how does faith and what you can smell, taste, touch, see and hear fit together well it says that faith is not revealed to the senses faith is of the heart not of your senses Faith is not even in your mind. Faith is in your heart. And notice, if you can, I wrote them down just so I wouldn't mess them up, all five senses. Your smell, your taste, your touch, your sight, your sound. If if you have all those things, then it's not really faith. Now it says that faith is not revealed to your senses. It's revealed to your heart. It's not your senses. And that is where most people give up, drop away, say forget about it, because they live in a world that they only know by their senses every day. It's not a bad thing. That's the world you live in. God gave you your senses. God gave you emotions. God gave you feelings. God gave you a mind to think. But those things don't pertain to faith. And so when we live in our senses all week long, that's why sometimes it's a struggle to be in faith. Nobody wants not say amen. And so that's where the fight of faith is because faith is not something we can smell, taste, touch, see, or hear. It's something of the heart. And it's believing God when our feelings don't line up with it. It's believing God when our mind doesn't understand it. Now, just those two things alone take most people out, including myself. If you don't feel it, if you can't understand it with your mind, you're just like, I don't care anyways. It's not that big a deal. But notice that's not faith. Faith is of the heart. It's not of the senses. It's not of the mind. It's of the heart. That's what something happens, especially we talked about this on Thursday just briefly. Uh, But you come back from summer camp. Now, this is the oldest story ever told. You come back from summer camp. What happened at camp? You feel it. Oh my gosh. You feel it. I cried. I laughed. I felt warm tingly. So my gosh, I never loved God more in my life. Then you get back to reality. And you know what? Monday, which is tomorrow, you might not feel God like you did at camp. Monday morning when you're not at church anymore, some of you adults in here might not feel God like you did on Sunday morning. That doesn't mean it's not real. That's when faith begins. And faith pleases God. When you live by faith and you don't feel like it, when you live by faith and you don't understand it, when you live by faith and you don't have all the goosebumps, when you live by faith and you're not at summer camp anymore, when you live by faith and you're not at conference anymore, that's what pleases God. And some of us could fool ourselves into thinking that we're really in faith. But no, you just had a lot of feelings and you're excited at the moment. But what happens when you don't feel it? Because that's going to happen. And that's when you really know if you're a faith person or not. Why? Because faith is not revealed to your senses. It's revealed to your heart. I wrote this down, but... If it's faith, it doesn't make sense. And if it makes sense, it doesn't make faith. Did we go to a different church this morning? What happened? Are you writing that down or something? Let me read that one more time. If it's faith, it doesn't make sense. And if it's sense, it doesn't make faith. So we see, so many people will say, "If you're a faith person, you don't make any sense." Good, it's faith. If it made sense, it wouldn't be faith. Now I'm talking really twofold when I talk about sense, because we talk about sense meaning your understanding. It doesn't, un- it doesn't make sense to your natural mind and your understanding, but also it doesn't make sense your your senses, your feelings. What you feel, what you taste, what you see, what you hear. Because if it's faith, it doesn't make sense. And if it makes sense, it doesn't make faith. Now, this is not a trick. I'm not trying to freestyle up here. (laughs) This is reality. This is what faith is. If it's really faith, people around you will say, that doesn't make any sense you don't got to fight them about it you don't got to be arrogant about it but say all right. well I'm on the right track then and if it makes sense if you can feel it taste and see it all these things it's not going to make faith and once again that's why we said most people stop right there most people give up right there because that's too much for most people To get beyond their mind. And to get beyond their feelings and emotions. Including myself. And so that's where most people stop. Right there. And notice if it is faith. It doesn't make sense. But if it's sense. It doesn't make faith. There's going to be times in your life. That it doesn't make sense to your natural mind. But God's word says yes. There's going to be times in your life where. You can't see it, you can't taste it, you can't hear it, you feel like you're alone, you feel like God is afar off. That's when you need to be in faith. And if it's a faith, it doesn't make sense. Now, when I say that, that doesn't mean that's permission for all of us to go do crazy things and say it's God. Now, that's the other side of it. That's a balanced side of it, because some of you rightly, well, this doesn't make no sense. You're jumping off cliffs and stuff. God, protect me. Okay, no, that's not. You're crazy. That has nothing to do with faith. This makes no sense. Yes. (laughs) That's not what I'm talking about. So let's not not all just run away with that. Mom and Dad, I make no sense. I'm in faith. No, you're not. You're crazy. Hand the car keys to your mom and dad. Let them drive. I got, a, I got a yes and a amen from some parents in here. So if it's a faith, it doesn't make sense. And if it's a sense, it doesn't make faith. Now let's look at uh, the last passage, Romans 4. You guys get something this morning? Romans 4. And we're going to talk about Abraham for a moment. As we close, and he's known as the father of the faith. Y'all remember that song? Where you at, gators? Uh, (laughs) Come on. All right, the rest of you are dry, but these people are lively. All right, let's try. You guys are laughing too much. (laughs) Hold on, you guys are all singing like five different parts at the same time. <clears throat> okay, you you did good. Hey, you, you had some good bass in your voice when you were singing right there. He's like, Father Abraham. That was cool. Romans 4. All right, so anyways, Father Abraham had many sons, and um, he was the father of the faith. But there was a time he didn't have any sons at all, and God promised him a son. And so we're going to read about that for a moment. Romans 4. In verse 16, it says, therefore, it is a faith that it might be to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but to those who are of the faith of Abraham. Notice who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of whom he believed God who gives life to the dead, and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Stop. Okay, we're going to stop right there, and we're going to go in the rest of the the chapter in a minute. But notice, how could Abraham have faith that he was going to have a promised child? How could he have faith that one day, even though he had no children right then, that one day he would be the father of many nations? Why? Because God said it. And since he knew God's word, he knew God's will. And it's written here in verse 17. God said to Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. So that's how Abraham could be a person of faith. Abraham didn't just make that up and say one day, hey, I'm going to be the father of many nations. No, he had faith. Why? Because God's word came to him. So he knew God's will for his life. And then Abraham believed God because that's what God had spoken to him. So he had confidence he could stand on that word. And it says that he called him a father of many nations in the presence of him who believed. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Verse 18, who contrary to hope. In hope believed so that he became the father of many nations. Notice, according to what was spoken. He believed because God had spoken. And he was confident because he knew God's will. And notice he goes on and says that he spoke, so shall your descendants be. Verse 19, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. Abraham did not consider his own body, or we could say he didn't consider his own mind. He didn't consider his own senses. He only considered what God had said, because that's faith. And so it says, even though his body was already dead since he was about 100 years old, in the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And verse 21, and being fully convinced that what he had been promised. Come on now, somebody. What he had been promised, what was he promised? God's word, because of God's will. He was promised some things in the same way you are promised thousands of things this morning from God. And notice he was confident, and he was just believing about one promise right here. He said he was being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Knowing that what God said in his word, he's able to do. Why? Because it's absolutely 100% his will to do it. Absolutely convinced because I have the title deed. I have a legal document. I have his will and testament that this belongs to me and it's my inheritance so I can be confident and receive it by faith. And so Abraham believed God. And he was fully convinced. Why? Because he had his word. He had his word. And his word had promised him Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. So he could be confident and believing he was going to be the father of many nations. Now let me tell you something. Your faith life is a lot easier than Abraham right now. Let me just go ahead and say, trust me on this. Not that you haven't ever believed God for something. But this man was believing for a promised child and he was 100 years old. And his wife couldn't have children either. And she was almost 100 years old. Who in the world believes that? The world would say, you don't make any sense. Wouldn't they? You don't make any sense, Abraham. You're crazy. But notice he stayed in faith. It doesn't have to make sense. I got faith. And notice it said he didn't consider the deadness of his own body. That's his senses. What he can see, what he can taste, what he can touch, what he can feel. All those things, what he can hear. He didn't consider his senses when he was believing God. So not only was he way, way, way past the age of having children. You know Abraham felt some things. Now, I'm not 100 years old, but I can imagine you're feeling some things. You're not feeling as young as you used to. You're not feeling as lively as you used to. You're not feeling like, oh, yeah, I'm up for raising a newborn baby when I'm 100 years old. Let's think about that part, Abraham. (laughs) Good promise, God. I'm 100 years old. Do I want to run around the desert after a newborn when I'm 100 years old? Okay, that's why he had a lot of servants, babysitters everywhere. Listen, I got him here. Y'all take care of him. But notice Abraham gives us an example of being a faith man, a faith person. Because notice he believed God's word. And that's how he knew it was the will of God for his life. But notice it goes on, and he didn't pay attention to his senses, his feelings, what he thought. He didn't pay attention to the deadness of his own body, that he couldn't even have children, and his wife couldn't have children. It wasn't that they just weren't old, they couldn't have kids. And it didn't make any sense, but it made faith. And it says that he was fully convinced that what he had been promised... He was able to perform. If we're going to be faith people, we need to be like Abraham. You know, there's going to be people in your life, if you're going to be a real faith person, it's 1201, I'm doing it wonderful on time right now. There's going to be faith, there's going to be people that criticize you for being a faith person. And really, I dare say more Christians than non-Christians. They criticize you for believing God. And they're going to say, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. You can't overcome that. You can't get free of that. You can't get healed of that. You can't come out of poverty. You can't get a new job. You can't be remarried. You can't have that healed in your life, that situation that's been dogging you. You can't get over that depression. You can't beat anxiety. You can't do that. It doesn't make any sense. But notice, sense doesn't make faith in the first place. And you're a faith person. And you'll be like Abraham. I don't care if it doesn't make sense. I don't care if nobody in my uh, my family made it out of this. I don't care if all my friends are going the opposite direction. I believe God. And if I am in faith, why? Because I know his word. I know his will. Then he will do it. And he is well able to perform it because, what? I have the title deed right here. It already belongs to me. All the inheritance that God has for my life already belongs to me. Like I mentioned earlier, we all struggle with this. This is not something that certain people struggle with. But that's the fight of faith. It says in the New Testament that there's going to be a fight of faith. Now what's the fight? The fight is overcoming feelings, overcoming the wrong thoughts, Over it's not against the devil, he's already beat. The fight is between yourself. The fight is in your mind. The fight is in your body. The fight is what you can hear, what you can see, what you can taste, what you can smell. The fight is inside you. It's not the enemy. And God says there's going to be a fight of faith. If you're really going to be in faith, there's going to be times that your senses are screaming, do the exact opposite right now. You're not making any progress. You're not doing any good. You're going to fail. And your senses could be screaming that. Your mind could be saying, this makes no sense. I'm going to fail. I'm not going to make it. But notice, faith doesn't belong there anyways. Faith is in your heart. And so I just want to encourage you as we close here that I want all of us as a church family to receive everything that God has provided for us more than ever before in our life and that when we pray that we're confident like we talked about today. We're not guessing, we're not wishing, we're not hoping. We know. Why? Because we have the proof right here. We have the legal document, the will and testament of God himself. We have that all these promises already belong to us. Can I encourage you, too, as we close, that coming back from camp, some of you adults are saying, well, I could use some feelings right now. Well, We'll pray for you to get some feelings, too. But especially all you who came back from camp that are feeling all the goosebumps and all sorts of stuff, crying, laughing, everything. You're just like, I'm an emotional wreck after camp. I don't know what's going on. It was good for you. You needed it. God was clearing your system out. God was clearing all that junk and weights out of your life. But let me encourage you guys come next week if you don't feel everything the same way you did at camp, that doesn't make it any less real a couple months from now when you go back to school and you're not in a camp environment doesn't mean that God didn't do that in your life that's where real faith begins that's where this real lifestyle of faith starts when you don't feel it did you guys get something this morning? let us